I mean, there's going to be time over the next month when I'll share more with you. We'll talk personally. We'll cry. We'll celebrate. We'll reflect. Um, but I want to get the focus off me and back to where it belongs, and that's on Jesus. Here's what I know. Um, any questions that I can answer or uh, any plans that your elders can set forth ultimately is not what leads us through transition. Uh, it's going to be Jesus that leads us through transition. So let's not dwell on me. Let's dwell on him. And uh, we are, of course, in the Christmas season after all, right? Isn't this what uh, Christmas is about? Um, it's all about Christ. Jesus is the reason for the season, right? Um, that's a little bit off for what I've got for you this morning because uh, really what I want us to know is that Jesus is the reason actually for everything. Jesus is the reason for it all. I, I know Jesus is the reason for the season makes a, a nice Christmas card and a nice little poetic twist, but what it comes down, Colossians 1 says this, for by him all things were created, all things were created through him and for him. He is before all things, and him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent in everything. Jesus is the reason, my friends, for everything. He is the reason for, yes, the season, of course. He is the reason for the church. He is the reason for our whole lives. And so when you hear that little jingle, you can uh, hear my voice where it says Jesus is the reason for everything. Um, we've been in this series, The Advent Conspiracy. Uh, the guys on stage talked about it a little bit. James already gave you some of these premises where, uh, number one, we were talking about giving more. Um, and we're kind of doing this goat thing, and, but it's about looking at how we can give to others. Last week, Paul talked about spending less so that we can be able to give more. Christmas Eve, we're going to talk about loving all, but today, we're talking about worshiping fully. Worshiping fully. Uh, there's two words there that we need to understand. Number one is fully, and um, one of the things that I do is sometimes I bring these charts, these illustrations. I put one together here. Do we have the chart that I put together? Okay, now um, I wanted to look at how we spend, just to kind of illustrate how you might spend your days. And just want to be clear, the scientist in me says uh, no real statistics were actually collected here. Uh, this is just for illustration. But if you think about how you spend your holiday days, um, what, uh, what do those days look like, okay? Still do some sleeping, hopefully. Uh, still do some working, probably. Uh, but then we add in all these different activities uh, that, that we do there. Now, as the Christmas season gets closer, there's going to be probably a little bit more vacation, so a little less work, and we'll do some more of these other things. Uh, might be a little bit less sleeping as we get there. But oh, I want to point this out to you. What we often can do is to put a little sliver of Jesus stuff and now, what I, what I sum up as Jesus stuff is this. I mean, going to church, we're doing some Jesus stuff now. Uh, maybe devotions, maybe even you kind of amp up your devotions a little bit more during Christmas time. But what we need to realize is this is not how we want to live life. Okay, this is not the full life in Christ. Okay, this is putting a little bit of Jesus into the midst of all everything else that we're doing. What we need to understand is that everything that we do even if it may not initially look like Jesus stuff, is actually meant to be Jesus stuff, okay? Jesus cares about every piece 
in our lives. And so I don't have another chart up there, but you could just kind of put it all 100% under Jesus if we were living fully in him. And then these different things, where we go to church, where we go to work, uh, even sleeping can be a Jesus thing. And so really beyond Christmas, all of our lives um, should really be about Jesus. Now, one of the things is I've been talking about our transition here is, is um, you know, somebody made, made this statement. I understand what they're saying about this, but like, how do you think it's going to feel being out of ministry? Um, and I hope if you learn anything under my teaching that uh, that's not how I view life here and how we're supposed to view. You see, all of us, whether you're a pastor, whether you're a, a mom, whether you are a, a laborer, whether you're a professor, whatever you are, all of our lives are about ministry, right? And, and so even if I go on to, to be a professor, if I go on to uh, do something else. It's still all about ministry in our neighborhoods, in our workplace. It, it is all about him fully in Christ. That's the first word. Number two is this word worship. Now, we talk about that a lot in church, but ultimately it's rooted in things of worth, ascribing worth to something. We worship it. We ascribe the worth that we deem on it. Now, one of the things I view in this Christmas season and one thing I learn is that in our house, there are some things that are of more worth. It happens when we bring the Christmas decorations down and my wife has this beautiful Christmas village that we put up on the counter. You know, it's very kind of uh, precious. There's a, a Lennox nativity scene that we put up. Okay, these things are things of worth. And what my son and I like to do, we're New York Giants fans, and he really likes Odell Beckham Jr., and he actually has kind of these nice little gloves. And so we like to, in our small house, play football in the house. And um, I, I know what is worth something in this house at this time because I have to tell my son, now, if we break one of these houses... Mom will kill us. And so I know that these things are of worth. Maybe when you put the ornaments on the tree, there's some, you know, when you hear whether it's a little kid or a little cat that causes an ornament to fall and to go crashing, you say, which ornament was it? Was it the precious one of great worth or was it just kind of one of the balls that we could do without anyway? There are different worths that we ascribe to different things. And when we worship Jesus, what we are saying is, Jesus, you are worth this much to us. How much worth do we ascribe to him compared to other things in our lives? How much do we maybe worship ourselves? How much do we worship our things? How much do we worship our dreams, our plans, our car, our kids? I mean, what do you get upset about if it gets broken? What do you get passionate about placing your time and energy into it? Maybe have something to do with what you're worshiping. When we talk about worshiping fully, it's about understanding exactly what Jesus is worth and then responding appropriately, responding more fully with who we are. Now, I don't know that worshiping fully is ever really a possibility in our brokenness, um, but we want to look at how we grow to worship more fully, and that's what we're going to do today. I, as we seek to grow in this, I see no better example, especially in the Christmas season, than 
the example of Mary, the mother of Jesus. We're going to read in Luke chapter 1. The words will be on the screen if you don't have your Bible or your device open yet. Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26, says this. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Jesus. He was at the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor in God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great. It will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? Oh, we pause there for a moment. I think there's two incredible things here. If you can just picture this, I know it's kind of a familiar verse to us, but an angel shows up to uh, this little teenage girl with kind of, the, first she's a little bit afraid, uncertain of what's going on, and next, when she gets kind of the download, uh, she's asking like, uh, how's this going to happen practically? What's this look like? And I love this for us because uh, often when we come into encounter God and think about worship, sometimes there is this midst of kind of, of fear of what we're supposed to do in his presence. Sometimes there's some questions about things that don't make sense, and sometimes our path to worshiping more fully includes both aspects of fear and uncertainty uh, and also questioning. But the angel answered her and said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child will be born, and he will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And in, this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. You see, he points and says, hey, something else is miraculous is happening as well. And that could be a sign to you, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. What do we learn about worshiping more fully here? Uh, number one, I think, uh, the reason that we worship, why we worship, number one is this. Because God is great. Because God is great. I mean, we could go through the passage here. Look at all uh, of the things. We're understanding his worth. He is the most high he is great. Nothing is impossible with him. He is worthy of praise because God is great. And we worship him because we recognize that he is almighty. Nothing is impossible with him and because he is great. Now notice that Mary is going to respond. And what we need to understand is that worship is about knowing and understanding who God is and then responding accordingly. And what does Mary say? In view of this process she's gone through, eventually she just says, Behold, I'm a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Now think about what this means to her. As she's probably about 13 years old, a virgin in a Jewish culture that really prized that among their unmarried teenagers. And now all of a sudden she has a story about the baby that's going to be in her womb. She's going to be outcast. She's going to be ostracized. She's going to have to deal with a lot of people not believing her. 
Uh, and then add on to that that she's actually going to have to raise the Son of God. She's going to have to be a mom in all the practical ways, knowing that the kid that she's raising has the plan and purposes of God, the very Son of God on her hands. Now, some moms and dads may say, well, Jesus was perfect. That might be a little bit easier than the job I have. But she was going to have to invest her time, her energy, her years into this task that God had given her. Ultimately, we see Mary at the cross as her son hung on the cross, fulfilling his plan and his purpose. And even then, she had to say, let it be unto me. See, the way that we respond when we realize that God is great is this, that we offer all of our lives to him. We offer all that we are. Worship is not just a song, it is all of our lives. And so uh, we give our time, our talents, our treasure. Think of that example of Mary. Be willing to say, let it be to me as you have said, God, I've heard your word and now I give you my all. My years, my, my time on this earth, the best of myself, my energies given to you, God. This is how we worship. We seek to hear his word and then respond. Romans 12 says this, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Offering our living selves, all of our lives. When we come to this place that Mary came to, that's a place that God can and will use us. The worship in fully is first about offering all that we are and then letting God do what he wants with it. So when we show up and we say, God, I offer you my finances, whatever you want, and he says, buy a goat. It's much easier than if we show up saying, well, all of this is mine and now you want me to buy a goat? No, maybe God will speak in that to whatever he calls to do. When we show up and we say, God, all the talents, all the provision, all that I have is only because you've given it to me and I will give you whatever you ask, well, then he can speak into that and he can guide us. And we see that example in Mary. You know, people would often ask me, how is it that you came, were called into ministry? And really what most people are looking for is kind of that moment when I was in Mexico on the boat and I heard God say, come be a pastor. But I need you to know that that moment came really years before when because I recognized God's grace in my life, that he deserved my all, whatever he would call at any point, was I willing to sacrifice a career to go into ministry? And didn't go quickly back then either. I had to wrestle with it. It seems like kind of two months of wrestling is my like stubbornness threshold with God. Because even now, when, when it, it's not easy, it has to go back to that what God has called. Then we're given. Nothing is impossible to God. He is who he is. He is great. He is worthy of his worship. So how do we respond? Mary continues, um, and her story continues. She goes to visit Elizabeth, and she has some nice confirmation uh, along the way. You can read that story. And then I'm actually going to call out girls. Come on up here. Um, you're going to have the girls read this next uh, 
step of the story because I wanted kind of the visual of a Mary in her teenage years, probably somewhere between 12 and 15, how she would sing praise. So you girls got this from here. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estates of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear in him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. He spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. All right. Thank you, girls, for coming up here and reading our scripture. I don't know if, if we can picture it. Okay, Mary continues, and she, she goes to Elizabeth, and then she uh, ends up just kind of singing this song, a song that has become uh, known as the Magnificat in kind of our church history, a song that she just flows out of her. And so when we think of why we worship number two, I would say this, because we have understood that God is merciful. Just like Mary understood in her humble estate, why would God choose her? Only because of his mercy and a song of joy that just flows out. Mary's led to speak. Mary's led to, to sing. So how we worship, we proclaim his praises for as we know who he is. We've already given our whole lives. And now sometimes we give some, some proclamation. We give some songs from time to time. We sing our worship songs, our worship praises. Now, we don't always get into singing. Do we? And sometimes say, well, I'm not very emotive, so I don't like singing, or we're kind of too intellectual for that sort of thing. You know, that's good for those people who like that in the church, but that's not really me. Sometimes around Christmas time, we get a little bit more open to singing, you know, Christmas carols, we'll open our door, people come up singing, and we don't just throw them off the porch, we listen. But I'll tell you, we get into worship. I mean, when we're sitting there watching a football game, sometimes the words just come out, don't they? Not always worshipful. But we get into these things or just talk about something. When I look at my kids and when they just kind of have their right moment where it's like I can't help but to say something to them. Or, or when, when my, my wife is... Uh, you know, right now she's working in the school, and I'm just really proud of her and what she's doing, and I can't help when she comes home to be able to, to like, tell her that and give her that expression. I mean, those of you who are grad students or have ever written a dissertation, you know, just get you started on the topic, and the words will flow, won't they? When, when something is important to worship, when our praises come out, the example that we see in Mary, she can't help but exclaim who God is to her. And when we sing, when we share these words, that's one of the ways that we worship, one of the ways that we give. You know, so when we gather on Sunday mornings, we sing songs to proclaim who God is worth to us. 
Throughout all of our lives, we give all of our lives. Sometimes we give song as well. Uh, one of the things that I, I love each week, we have kind of our teaching team uh, on Tuesday morning, and then um, our associate pastor, Roly, who leads worship up here, he goes and he gets this big old binder. I, all I know is that there's songs in that binder. You know, he brings it out, kind of lugs it out, kind of work out for the week, and he goes through, well, maybe he works out other times too, I don't know, but, um, and he goes through, and based on what scripture we're talking about, strives to pick songs that have words that are of, of meaning, because the songs are not just about the melody, that it's kind of catchy, I like that song, I can move my uh, leg a little bit to it, no. It's about those words that are there and what we're actually declaring back to God. And so pay attention to those words that we sing, even in the Christmas carols. Oh, I like that one. Listen, especially this time of year, to the words that are being sung, how they glorify and how they magnify Christ. Mary says, my soul magnifies you. Because you've seen the humble estate of his servant. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. God is so merciful to us. He has been faithful to us. So we worship him with all that we are. Sometimes in the proclamation of our praises, but always with all of our lives. So the question that I um, kind of want to pose to you at the end here is, is, how are you planning to worship this Christmas? That's where we're going to start. How do you plan to worship this Christmas? You probably already have some ideas in your head. Hey, here's where we're going to go to Christmas Eve. We've got this planned in our uh, thing. Here's how we're going to do things. Now I want to turn the question a little bit and say, how is it that you will worship more fully with a greater understanding of who God is, a greater understanding of Christ and what his worth is, and that he wants you to respond to who he is in a way that shows you a, he is precious to you, just like you're precious to him. How will you worship more fully this Christmas and then beyond from there? It comes with a greater understanding of Christ's worth and the understanding that he actually wants us to respond. I mean, we can do things for a lot of reasons, right? We can buy goats for a lot of reasons. We can spend less for a lot of reasons. We can give more for a lot of reasons. We can love all for a lot of reasons, right? There's a lot of motivations that may come in. That sounds like a good idea. We can go to church. We can go through all these different things. We can celebrate Christmas. We can do, gift. We can do this for a lot of reasons, but there is only one reason that matters, and that is because Jesus is the reason for everything. He is worth our all. So as we wrap up this time, get ready to respond, not just in song, but with the rest of our lives. So as we close our eyes, bow our heads. And just to think in the stillness of this moment, what is Christ worth to you? How do you show him? How is it that you can worship more fully? Not just in this season, but with all of your life. What has he blessed you with? Who has he made you to be? 
What opportunities has he given you? How is he going to use you in these months to come? How will you worship more fully with all that you are? Jesus, I'm so thankful that you are the head of your church. So thankful that you are the head of this church. You always have been and you always will. Jesus, you have been so gracious towards us. As we look at your mercy given us on the cross, that you saved sinners like us. God, may that sink deep into our hearts. Not only have you saved us, Jesus, but you have, in your grace, given us purpose and a hope and a future no matter where we've been. Teenage girls, your children, your sons and daughters, men and women, those who have a regretful past, those that don't realize it. God, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. You are indeed great. You've shown us your greatness time and time again. And so we worship. We bow before you. We offer all we are and all our imperfection, knowing that you can make something great, something beautiful, something so broken as us. So we come and we just offer ourselves, wait for you to work. In Jesus' name.